Aloha. Oh, I feel at home now. Praise God. Hey, you may be seated. Uh, my wife's here. I want to give her just an opportunity to say hi. This is my beautiful wife, Pastor Colleen. Hi. I love coming to your church. I love you, you guys. I know you, I don't know you personally, but as a church, there's a spirit in this place that's so fresh and so vibrant. God is using you more than even you know. Don't stop. You know, I was thinking the other day of how many times I, especially now as this age, I just feel so tired. And I, was, I went to a service. It's called Transformation. It's every Monday night. And my husband, he, he's tired from Sunday, but he lets me go on Monday. <laughs> and I go and I, and I minister to actually some drug addicts and some alcoholics and those who are struggling to be free. But I sat in the car, and I couldn't get out. I said, oh, Jesus, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm so old, and I'm so tired. <laughs> I said, help me, Jesus. And then I sat there and waited for him to help me. <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, you know, nothing's happening. <laughs> and finally, I said, okay, okay. So I opened my door. And I stuck my foot out. <laughs> I was totally by faith because I didn't feel nothing. Just wanted to lay down and go to sleep. And I stuck my foot out and then I stuck my other foot out and I sort of waddled into the service and God showed up. Come on. Sometimes the flesh don't like to cooperate. But you do it anyway and watch the Holy Ghost shows up. In fact, it's a sacrifice of worship. The Bible calls it a sweet fragrance to the throne. Amen. Whoa. Well, we've heard the message tonight. We can go home. Amen. Thank you, baby. That was awesome. Hey, there's some books in the lobby. I won't take a lot of time about it, but just want to share with you what it is. There's a little book my wife wrote called Life is like a garden hose, parables from life. And if you're into revivals, one of the greatest revivals that have ever happened in human history happened in Hawaii. And I wrote a book about it called Hawaii's Great Awakening. And there's another book called The Power of the Cross. The Lord spoke to me and said, you know, my, my children don't even know what I did for them on the cross. And so that's what that's about. Then there's a little book called Miracle on Maui, which tells the story of how God... Uh, allowed us to be a part of something very great. We came to Maui in 1980 to a little church of 100 people. It exploded, became 1,000 people in a year and a half. We took over the largest facility on the island, a big skating rink. Today we're one church, in, as your pastor said, in almost 700 campuses all over the world, 21 states, 21 nations. God's doing a powerful work. And this tells the beginning of that story. And then there's a book that... If you're in business or if you just enjoy the fact that you want to learn more about what God does and how he grows a church, there's a book called The Multiplying Church. It's the latest book I wrote. It gives you all the secret sauce of what God's done at King's. And then finally, I did my doctoral dissertation at Fuller Theological Seminary, one of those seminaries that rivals Harvard and Princeton and all of that stuff. And I did it on demons. It's the first of its kind ever written for that 
an illustrious seminary. And I've written three books on the subject. One is called Defiled. It tells the assault that the enemy has on all Christians. One's called You Can Be a Winner in the Invisible War, the Power of Binding and Loosing. And the other one is how it's called Closing the Forbidden Doors. It, it's how demons infestate people and how you get rid of them. How many think that's a pretty good idea? Well, stand to your feet. Come on, let's get into the word. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis 41. How many ready for the word tonight? Yeah. All right. How many hours do I have, Pastor? Or oh, many as I need. Oh, we'll be here till midnight. Glory to God. Genesis 41. Let's read a few verses starting at verse 14 of Genesis 41. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there's no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Now shift on over to verse 37 of that same chapter. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said in his servants, to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom this is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there's no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regards to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for this great church. I thank you for the consistent ministry of your word and the power of your spirit that has flowed out from this place and touching this great city. I thank you for how you're moving by your spirit here. So I'm asking you, Lord, breathe upon us tonight. Holy Spirit, come in power, come in might. I pray for an anointing by which I can share your word. And I pray even now that every ear will be open, every heart open, every eye will see the reality of what you're doing, not only in their lives, but what you're doing through this house. And Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We live in two realities, the physical and the spiritual. We are more than just a physical being. We're a spirit. One of the, my, one of the persons that influenced my life, especially when I was in graduate school, I thought I was going to be a history professor on the college campus and share the gospel from within the, camp, within the school, within the college. So I went to USC and uh, did a master's in ancient history and was on my way for a doctorate when the Holy Spirit said to me, I didn't call you to be a, a professor, I called you to be a pastor. So I ended up going to Fuller and my world changed, did another master's degree and a doctorate. But in the course of that time of, of uh, literally learning a lot about history I, and being in a secular campus, one of the people that really helped me was a guy by the name of C.S. Lewis. How many have ever read C.S. Lewis's stuff? I mean, tremendous stuff. You've never met him. He's dead now. He's in heaven. But if you've never met him by his books, you need to read him. He's written science fiction. He's written Chronicles of Narnia. He wrote uh, uh, things like uh, uh, God in the Dock and Screwtape Letters, on and on and on. But one of the things he said, and I read nearly everything he wrote, 
was something about how you know you're immortal. You know how you know you're immortal? That you have a spirit? All of us here don't see us as any different than we did when we were 10. The only way we know we're any different is we stand in front of the mirror. I'll never forget when I had, I had surgery on my eyes. I had cataracts. And, 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 and it was amazing because when the cataracts removed, I, I looked in the mirror and boy, did I look old. See, I couldn't see all the, the, the problems. I couldn't see all the spots. I couldn't see all the wrinkles. But once my eyes were opened, whoa! See, I never thought I was any different than when I was that vibrant young man playing football in college. How is it that we're always in the present tense? It's because we're a spirit in a body. And the moment you breathe your last breath, you will still be in the present. But you will be in present in heaven or in hell. The very decision you make in life. It came to me. How many of you have ever wondered why demons can't repent? You said, boy, you're weird. I haven't ever thought of that. How come the devil can't repent? Why? It's because he sinned in eternity. So that which he did in eternity is stuck for all of eternity. But we're in time. We're in a little bubble called time. And in that bubble, we have can, uh, minutes pass by. And in that bubble, oh, we have the opportunity to turn our life over to Christ before we enter eternity. But wherever you are in your relationship with God, when you enter eternity, you'll be fixed for all eternity. Whew, that's heavy. You're a spirit that happens to be living in a physical world. Now, given that, it becomes very, very clear that what we do as a physical being or what we do spiritually affects each other. And this is seen very clearly in the story of Joseph. At 17 years old, something happened to Joseph that brought about an intersection of these two realities, the physical and the spiritual. Joseph is despised by his brothers because he told the truth. He told the truth about some of the evil that his brothers were doing, and he told it to his father. And they hated him for it. But not only that, Joseph was loved by his father more than all the other brothers. In fact, his father made him a special tunic. Now, you may not be aware of what significance that had, but in in his father's mind, Joseph, even though he was not the firstborn son, the father saw him as such. And that's why that tunic, that special tunic was made. Well, that made the brothers even more angry with him. And then Joseph had two dreams. And they were dreams from God. You know, sometimes when you read the story of Joseph, you, you think, Joseph, what's, in your, what's up? Why would you even tell those dreams? Those dreams got you in trouble. Why would you tell them? It's because he knew they were from God. He knew they were from God. And he had to declare what God said. Well, you know the two dreams. He saw a dream of, of uh, they were outside and they were 
threshing wheat and the, the stalks of wheat that his brothers had bowed down to his stalks. And then he had another dream where the sun and moon and stars bowed down to him. And uh, this didn't make him any more endearing to his brothers. They even wanted to kill him because of it. They wanted to prevent the dream from happening. They found their opportunity one time when the brothers were out in the fields far away from where the father was. And the father had sent Joseph to check on them. And when they saw him, they said, let's kill him. They arrested him, threw him, as you know in the story, they threw him in a well. But instead of killing him, they sold him as a slave, and he was carried off to Egypt. And then they deceived his father into having him think that he was killed by a wild beast. But there's something where the spiritual began to affect the physical. There's a phrase that's repeated over and over again in chapter 39 about Joseph. And here's what it says. In fact, it's mentioned five times. The Lord was with Joseph. Turn to your neighbor and say, the Lord can be with you. Think about it. If the Lord's with you, it don't matter where you are. You're going to have success. In fact, in verse 23, it states, the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. Hey, am I preaching to the right people here tonight? Well, Joseph is thrown in prison by a false accusation by his slave master's wife. But while he was there, he accurately interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh's two very important people. One was a cupbearer who was the closest person to Pharaoh and a baker. They both had dreams one evening and... Joseph saw that they were quite concerned about what they dreamed. He asked him about it, and he interpreted for him. The cupbearer, he said, look, in three days, you're going to be uh, brought back to your position. Oh, that encouraged the baker. Well, the baker told him his dream, <laughs> and the interpretation wasn't as great as the other one. He said, uh, in three days, you're going to be executed. And exactly what he said happened. And Joseph said to the cupbearer, listen, remember me, please. I'm here, innocent. I didn't do anything wrong. Remember me when you get into Pharaoh's court. But he was forgotten. And two years passed since the time he had interpreted those two dreams in prison. You know, there's times when things go on and we wonder, what in the world? Why am I in this situation? Doesn't God hear me? Does God care? God cares. He's setting you up for something wonderful. Oh, well, I'm glad you're so excited about it. <laughs> Joseph's now 30 years old. 17, started the process. He's 30 now. Same age Jesus was when he began his ministry. Keep that in mind. Joseph is elevated to become the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. In one moment... You say, now, wait a minute, Pastor, that seems so strange. And I thought it strange myself. How could a Hebrew all of a sudden be elevated to the most important person under Pharaoh's government? The second most powerful person at that time in the whole world. Well, what I found out was very interesting. Did you know that on the throne of Egypt at that time were Semites? Semites were people 
that Joseph himself as a Hebrew was a Semite. That's where you get the term anti-Semitism for Jew haters. Interesting that God had a Semite as Pharaoh that elevated another Semite into a place of great leadership. How many know God can place you in the right place at the right time to be elevated? Well, in that position, God did something. The two God-given dreams were fulfilled. And he saves the Egyptians by what took place. His interpretation of the dreams and the actions that Joseph take. Took, and he also saved his family from starvation. And he fulfilled God's purpose for his life. Now, think about it just for a moment. In one moment's time, he moved from the prison to the palace. One moment's time, he was elevated. Did you know that God can elevate somebody in one moment? Think about it. We see it in the life of Moses at the burning bush. We see it in the life of Gideon. Here he's so afraid of the Midianites, he's trying to harvest some wheat in a wine press. And an angel appears and says, you're a mighty man. He goes, are you kidding me? And God raised him up in one moment to defeat the Midianites. We see it in the life of David when he kills Goliath on the battlefield. You say, well, Pastor Morocco, what is it you're trying to say? At the beginning of every year, God gives me a word for the year. I, I take a fast on any Christian broadcast. I take a fast on, 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 uh, in, in terms of my physical body. I take fasting time. And I, I try to discern the word of the Lord for my church and for the people that I'll be preaching to this year. And God gave me a word. It was the word elevate. And I want you to say this with me. It's time. Now say it like you mean it. It's time, it's time. For, elevation. for elevation. I want you to say it again. It's time for elevation. Now I want you to think about that. You say, Pastor, that's a wild idea. Well, you know what hit me was when I realized Joseph was in prison for those two years after the interpreting of the dreams to the cupbearer and to the baker. And he was elevated overnight and gave the wise advice that was needed and interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh. And I thought about it, because this was the beginning of this year. I realized, did you know the enemy tried to put the church in prison? COVID was an attack of the devil. He used government to try to stop the church. Listen to me. I know of great churches that literally lost 30 to 40% of their people and they haven't recovered yet. One of the great churches that have small groups had 7,000 small groups before COVID. They lost 2,000 of those small groups. There are churches that have shut down because of COVID. They're no longer existing. There are people that used to stay home and watch things on streaming. They've never come back. And if you're one of them, you better get back into this house. 
You say, why? Because it's time for elevation. One of the things we need to realize is that just as Joseph was elevated, God longs to see his people elevated. We can be like a Joseph. Think about it for a moment. Joseph lived holy. You can live holy. You don't have to be like the world. Well, I got these friends, you know, and they're always telling me I need to do this. Well, listen, is it your friends that are going to get you to heaven? Or are they going to take you to hell? God is more important than any friend you may have. You serve him. Think about Joseph. Joseph was tempted by a beautiful woman, Potiphar's wife. Now, listen. We got people that think sex is free. Sex is never free. There's always a cost. Are you still here with me? And, Joseph, and we think so stupid. We think, oh, well, you know, it's, nobody's going to know. Give me a break. Every demon in hell knows. And I think she set up Joseph to fall so that he couldn't fulfill the purpose of God. You don't know what God has for you and you're stupid enough to do stupid things. Why not just live holy? Listen to what Joseph said. Oh, I love it. Here's what he says when, when Potiphar's wife says, oh, come on, come on, let's go do this thing. He said, how can I do this wickedness and sin against God? He had a fear of God. That's what allows us to walk holy. Secondly, we can be like Joseph because Joseph persevered in serving. And we can do the same. Sometimes we only serve if people pat us on the back. Wait a minute. Who are you serving? Can you help me out? Who are you serving? Well, I like to be appreciated like anybody else. I know that too. I really do. But sometimes I've just got to realize I'm not here to serve myself. I'm here to serve the Lord. Many of you are serving. You're here in church on a Wednesday night. Many of you serve in various ministries or in discipling people. Keep it up. We can be like Joseph to use the gifts that God has given us. You say, well, what gifts did Joseph have? Well, he had a special gift of dream interpretation. And there are people that have that kind of word of knowledge, word of wisdom type thing. And he was an administrator. Everything he did smacked of administration, whether he was working for Potiphar or he was working for the jailer. He put everything in order. How many know we need people like that in the church? We need people like that in every aspect of life. But we need people that are using their gifts. But thirdly, fourthly, he, he, he walked humbly before the Lord. Look at verse 16. This is always amazing to me. Here he's standing in front of Joseph. Joseph gives him a, I mean, he's standing in front of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh gives Joseph this great, great uh, compliment. But I've heard it said of you that you can interpret a dream to and. To interpret it. You can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. 
You know, we're always trying to congratulate ourselves. We break our arm patting ourselves on the back. Hey, we're just so wonderful. Oh, grow up. God is wonderful. And it's his kindness. And it's his grace and his mercy that we have everything we have. Oh, I earned it. Oh, wait a minute. Stop for a moment. Your heart's still beating? If it stopped, you wouldn't earn a thing. God's given you life. He walked humbly. But finally, he, we can be like Joseph in that he glorified God in everything. Look at what he says to his brothers. You know, Joseph, amazing fellow, he not only didn't yield to his lust, but he didn't yield to his anger and bitterness. Some people never get over their offense. But look at what Joseph said when he revealed himself to his brothers. They were afraid that he was going to kill them. Joseph says, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, it is not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. He glorified God, even in the things he had to go through because he saw what God was doing. He was preparing a way for Joseph to be in a position where he can save his family. Now think about this for a moment. How will elevation be manifested in you this year? You say, well, Pastor, there's only six months left in the year. Yeah, yeah. That's because I didn't get to preach it to you at the beginning of the year. You'd have had 12 months then. But it don't matter if God elevates you in a moment. It don't matter if it's the last day of the year. Some here have been put down by your family because you're serving the Lord. Listen, I've pastored on Maui for 43 years. I've seen this cycle of events where people get saved and they're ostracized from their family. I'm here to tell you, God's going to elevate you. And there will come a day when they'll go, hey, how come you're so blessed? How come everything you touch is wonderful? What's going on? You'll be able to tell them about Jesus. There's some here who will be used by God as Joseph was. You'll have wisdom. It may be on your job where you've been asked to navigate through a difficult situation. And people will turn to you for wisdom. Maybe it's solving a problem of a broken relationship. God will give you wisdom. Maybe it's a financial situation, and God will give you wisdom. Did you know I pray for wisdom almost every day? You say, why? Because the Bible says, if anyone lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. It will be given him. I need wisdom. Our ministry needs millions and millions and millions of dollars. I have a huge, humongous staff of pastors, and I need wisdom desperately. 
Listen, I need wisdom to just be a good husband. Somebody say amen. He'll elevate you that in that way. Are you still with me here tonight? God will elevate you in the sphere of influence you're in. He can raise you up. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. One of the greatest privileges of my life was when Dr. Cho, the pastor of the largest church in the world, came and visited our church in 1984. 83 he did. Now, he pastors the church of 800,000. He's gone home to be with the Lord. But listen, even though I had a big church on Maui, we were a Sunday school class compared to that church. And he asked me to be on his board, international board for church growth. I thought, huh? And in that one moment, he elevated me. And I sat with people around a table that had churches of 300,000, 600,000. And, you know, when, when they said, well, how big a church is yours? I'd go, I didn't know what I was doing there, but it was God's moment to elevate me. Relationships. I mean, can you believe it? I have a relationship with Pastor Fuller and Pastor Critcher. <sighs> I am blessed. And all of them, folks that they hang out with, and on and on and on. God can put you in a place of great influence overnight. But there's one thing that you've got to do. Are you still with me here? Because i got to bring this thing to a close. you got to have faith. Because nothing happens without faith. Now, I've shared this word with you. What are you going to do with it? Oh, that's a nice word. Okay, good. You need to do something with it. Anybody here honestly believe that between now and the end of the year, God could do something that would elevate you beyond where you've been. Let me see your hand. Wave it at me. Wave it at me. Wave it at me. There's got to be faith. Did you know that Joseph had tremendous faith? Did you know before he died, he told the children of Israel, take my bones with you when you go to Canaan's land. Now think about that for a moment. He knew what God said to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, this is hundreds of years later. But he knew that God was giving them Canaan's land. Did you know the Israelites didn't even know that? Because they murmured all the way. And when they got to the borders of Canaan, they were too afraid to go in. And they were carrying the bones of Joseph. Those bones rang out faith. You can be in a church like this full of faith. And yet you can end up like the Israelites. Because you don't believe what's being said. This is the time for elevation. Everybody say it with me. This is the time for elevation. Now think about it one more time. Think about this. Joseph is a messianic figure. He's a forerunner of Christ, if you will. He started his ministry at 30 years old, just like Jesus did. He was rejected by the people that he came to give life to, just as Joseph was. 
he was unjustly, unjustly, unjustly suffering. And yet Joseph saved the Egyptians and saved his family. He came to save, just as Jesus did. And just as Jesus died on a cross, three days later, he was elevated, resurrected. Listen to me. The most important relationship you will ever have is a relationship with Jesus, the elevated one, the resurrected one. And knowing him, you can begin to experience his life in you. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I want every head bowed, everyone praying. You might be here tonight. You're trying to get elevated by your own bootstraps. And I'm not opposed to doing everything you can to get ahead in life. But friend, if you've missed the Lord of life, what value is it? Make all the money in the world and go to hell. What value is that? But in one moment, in a moment when you cry out to God, he can save you. He can change you. With every head bowed, everyone praying, you'd say, Pastor Morocco, tonight, I've never really honestly given my heart to Jesus. And if I were to die tonight, I don't know for certain I'd go to heaven. Pastor, would you pray for me? If that be you, listen to me, please, please, please. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss it. You may never have another. I'm very, very conscious in the 50, over 50 years I've been in ministry, I've seen so much stuff. People that put off their relationship with Christ thinking they could do it at any time. We have no guarantee of tomorrow. All we know is the moment. That's why the Bible says now is the time of salvation. You say, Pastor Morocco, I need to get right with God. Pastor, would you pray for me? If that be you, would you slip up your hand right now? Quickly, all over the auditorium. No one looking around just between you and God. Yes, 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 yes. Are there others? Lift it up high. Yes, 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 yes. Are there others? Don't want to miss anyone. I want everybody to stand to your feet, please. Just stand to your feet. Yes, God bless you, sir, in the front. Come, come, listen to me. Please hear me, hear me, hear me. Please hear me. The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you believe that? I said, do you believe that? Then I'm going to ask you to do something with me. I'm going to ask you to lift your hands with me all over the auditorium as a sign of worship to God. I'm going to ask everyone in this house to pray this prayer with me. Whether you've prayed it a thousand times or this is the first time you've ever prayed it. And I'm going to ask you to pray it out loud. None of this mumbling under your breath nonsense. I want you to pray like you mean it. Lift your hands. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I ask you tonight, forgive me of my sins. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me brand new. You died for me on the cross so I could be forgiven. And you rose again so I could have eternal life. Jesus, say it again. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my King. 
I surrender all that I am to you. And I will serve you with my whole heart. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Would you give praise to the Lord, please? Would you be seated just for a moment? There's one more thing I want to do. I love this church. I love your pastors and I love you. I wish I could know all your names, but I'm getting old. I forget names. But I want to see this church fulfill everything God has for it to be. I want it to be a Joseph church, if you will. A church that fulfills the purposes of God. There are a lot of people who need to be saved, not only in this city, but all through the nation and around the world. And you can be a part of that. And because of that, here's what we're going to do tonight. When I preached this message for the first time in my church, I said, look, guys, if you believe that it's going to be a year of elevation, I want you to take a step of faith and do something. It's been done throughout the Old Testament and the New, that you put your money where your mouth is. You put your money where your heart is. And we're going to receive an offering for this church, not for me, for this church. And I'm going to give in that offering. And I'm going to ask the ushers quickly. I don't know how you do this, but if there's offering envelopes, ushers, hand them out. Or if they're in the back of the seats, pull them out. Everybody do something, please. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to worship for a moment. And uh, I'm going to ask you to come and lay your gift at the front. And when you're walking up here, I want you to walk with this in your heart. God, I believe it's my time for elevation. And I'm giving this gift as an example of my faith to believe that from this moment on, I'm going to walk holy. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to have your wisdom. I'm going to, I'm going to do the very things that Joseph did. And I'm going to believe that you will walk with me and that I will be elevated because my goal is to elevate you. Now, you can give by phone, I believe, push pay or text. Now, listen to me. If you're giving on your phone, I want you to come and hit this podium, not the podium. And don't hit me. Just hit this stage with your phone. Now, you say, Pastor, why, why, why do you do this? Because when you read the Old Testament, every time somebody had a yearning for something, they would give it with an offering. Remember when, when Saul went to go see Samuel? What's the first thing he said to his assistant? We need to give him an offering. He's going to speak. We've got to give him an offering. There was this conscious sense that when you're believing God for something, one of the ways you get God's attention is by your generosity. I know that to be a fact because it says God loves a cheerful giver. I thought about that for a while. I thought, well, I thought God loves everybody. God so loved the world he gave, yes. But there's something that happens when a person gives out of a heart sold out for God and says, God, I believe what you're going to do. And you give. I can't tell you. One day I'll tell you all the things God's done for me. But if I told you now, we'd be here all night. So we're going to worship the Lord. And uh, where's the musicians? Are they around? Come on up, honey. Otherwise, they're going to just hear me singing. That's not going to be a good deal. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I want you to come up, lay it at the altar. 
we're going to worship. I like that song. It's one of my favorites. All my life you have been faithful. Hallelujah. And the worship, did I, I should have said something to all the folk. You can start coming right now even before they get to singing. You know that song, All My Life You Have Been Faithful? Come on, would you sing it? Thank you, my brother. All oh, my life, would you come? So Lay your gift here. So Give a thousand dollars, honey, sweet. I will sing of the goodness of God. Come on, would you sing? some scam. It ain't no scam. Because I'm giving in the offering myself. Listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. Could you hold it up for me? Pastor, put your hand on it. I want every person who's given in this offering, lift your hand right now, please. I'm going to pray a blessing on you. Father, I lay my hands along with Pastor Critcher, full of faith that you have raised up a mighty church with mighty people. You've raised up Joseph's in the house. Shobai la ramakote. 
And this is a time of elevation. There will be an acceleration that will begin to happen in this house. Not only of people coming, but of the passion and the plan that you've laid on the hearts of the leadership of this house. And it will be fulfilled. And everyone that gave, everyone whose hands are raised, you saw them sacrifice, you saw them give. Beyond their normal giving, everyone had something in their heart. They lifted it up before you. Now, Lord, intervene on their behalf. May this be in these next five months a time of great elevation for them. And at the end of the year, when they look back, they'll say, Lord, look what you did. So bless them now, I pray, and bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give praise to God. Would you do it?